And while we were on the boat, she started playing a slow haunting melody on her flute. And the sight of these two female orcas swimming in the general direction of the boat, you could so clearly tell as they got closer, with each breath they came up, they were going slower and slower, lingering longer and longer at the surface till they got to the closest point to the ship. They stopped dead in the water and started singing back to Lawrence Flew. Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Our guest today is Larry Zaccaro, scientist, author, game designer, Toastmaster, and more. Larry is the author of children's book, Amy and the Orca, and the insightfully philosophical novel, Convergent. He invented the card game Wordplay, is a member of the Mystic Aquarium Toastmasters Club, and in his free time, he helps out his son, who founded Tox Brewing in New London, Connecticut. Let's learn from Larry Zaccaro. I'm here today with Larry Zaccaro. Larry is a local author and scientist, and it's very exciting to have him on the show. How are you doing today, Larry? I'm great, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I know you have quite a few stories to share, so I'm definitely excited to have you here. Um, well, I'll tell a little bit about who I am, if that's mm-hmm. all right. Absolutely. I was about to ask you to do so. Okay. I moved to Southeast Connecticut. Uh, 32 years ago, working for Pfizer as a research scientist, and then went into business development where I negotiated legal agreements for their um, strategic alliance department. I also taught science classes at local colleges, and currently, post-Pfizer, I've started my own company, Vista Creative Products. I'll talk more about that in a second, but I wanted to let you know I'm also an officer in Toastmasters International, the Mystic Aquarium Toastmasters that meets right in the aquarium when we're allowed to meet face to face. And uh, we've been doing Zoom meetings lately. Um, and just to let everyone listening know, that is an open club. So anyone can come as a guest or join. If you want more information, contact you or me. That would be fine. Yeah. And I'm also. Hey, hey, what, is, what is your officer role uh, in this coming year? Well, I am. I'm currently the president, but my term expires tomorrow. And after that, I will, for the coming year, I will be secretary. Very good. I'll continue to have and put in our club operations and hopefully helping to welcome guests and continue to give speeches and so forth. Yeah, you give some pretty good speeches. Um, Yeah, I was love having Toastmasters on the show as as guests because... Because Toastmasters know how to talk, so it makes my job easier. Um, so tell me a bit about uh, Mystic Creative Products and your, your company and some of the things you do there. After Pfizer, I started this company, and I don't have brick and mortar at the moment. I, I did for a few years in Stonington, but now I, I don't have a brick and mortar store. But I do have several products. Uh, what it's allowed me to do is... I would call myself more of a diverse, creative entrepreneur. When I have an idea of something that uh, is interesting to me that I think I have the ability to develop and put out there for people, I have developed it. And the first one, right after I left Pfizer, I had this idea in the back of my head for a game. That was my first product. The game is called Wordplay, and 
if you think about a card game that is a combination of Scrabble and Gin Rummy, where you have cards in your hands, lay down the cards to make words, and each turn you create a new word or add to someone else's word by laying the cards on the table. You get points, keep a running total of points, and at the end of the round when all the cards are played, whoever has the most points wins that round. So I had the idea for that a long time ago, and I started developing it as soon as I left Pfizer, and it came out actually a few months later, and that is currently out and on the market, and I distribute that uh, largely to educational um, formats or programs. My biggest customers have been gifted educational programs and parents who are doing homeschooling, but it's a family educational game, really, so it could be be something that everyone could have in their house and use when they're at home during a pandemic, for example. It would be a good way to, to get the family together and do something kind of fun and productive. So making words with letters on cards. And, and wordplay, I think, was actually the way we first came in contact with each other. Because you, uh, I think you met my wife when I was running the Monte Cristo bookshop for a couple months and um, put a couple copies on consignment in the store, if I recall correctly. Is that true? I don't remember. Yes. Wow. Yep. I, I still have the copy of the game that I bought from the store from you. Uh, yeah, I don't think we met. I think you met my wife. And then uh, we ran into each other in Stonington Borough at one point. Uh, I think it was a holiday stroll. You were showing off wordplay. Oh, I was. And, That's right. And uh, yeah, it was a brief contact. But then I'm like, then we met at Toastmasters. I'm like, wait, it's that guy with the card game. <laughs> so. It's a small world or a small part of the state, isn't it? Small kind of, world indeed, yes. Um, yeah, and, and so, so what else do you do with that enterprise? Another idea I had just a few years ago was um, is a, a little bit of an interesting backstory in a family event that happened. And I'll, I'll tell this quick story because it's sort of heartwarming. It was on an orca watching trip with my four kids and my wife at the time. We're off the state, off the coast of Washington State on an orca watching trip. And we saw a lot of orcas that day. But my oldest daughter, Lauren, had her flute with her. And while we were on the boat, she started playing a slow, haunting melody on her flute. And the sight of these two female orcas swimming in the general direction of the boat, you could so clearly tell that as they got closer, with each breath they came up, they were going slower and slower, lingering longer and longer at the surface till they got to the closest point to the ship. They stopped dead in the water and started singing back to Lauren's flute. Wow. It was really co- quite a heartwarming moment. Now, that's kind of a family legendary moment, but just a few years ago, it occurred to me with a conversation with a friend that that would make a great children's book. So that's exactly what I did. I had the idea for the story, fictionalized it a bit, made the girl younger, had her a little bit of her backstory learning to play the flute. No one wanted to hear her play because she was young and just learning. But she lived on the coast of Washington, played the flute by the water, and an orca whale hears her and the same thing, stops in the water, listens, and sings back to her and makes a connection with the with the pot of orcas that at the time found a wonderful artist that drew and created the pictures of my concepts 
and put that all together. And that's actually out as well. It's available on Amazon or from me. It's called Amy and the Orca. Now, Amy is the real name of my granddaughter, who is the daughter of Lauren. So it's all kind of a family connection and a kind of a family story that I turned into a children's book. So that's that's available through Mystic Creative Products as well. That's cool. Um, and do you have any other creative projects that have come out of your creative products? Well, I do. I, I uh, had a lot of time at the house over the last few months, as, as everyone else did, and had all kinds of vacations and trips planned, a cruise and a trip to Cape Cod and some concerts. All that got canceled in the span of a few days. I started writing writing a novel. I, I actually had two screenplays written for movies that haven't gone anywhere. But I took one screenplay. That is called Convergent. And I don't, I've never heard of this happening before, but I adapted the screenplay to a novel. So, And I've actually completed that novel called Convergent, and that is currently available on Amazon. It just came out this month, as a matter of fact, in June. So that is available, and I can I can talk a little bit about that. In a, yes, yes, please do. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover here on uh, on the Amazon website, and it's it's definitely interesting interesting imagery on here. There, the, the idea for the covers, I actually another artist, a local a local guy here in southeastern Connecticut named Patrick Regan. I came in contact with him because he was designing the can labels for my son's brewery, Tox Brewing. And I loved his, the labels that he created, so I contacted him. And, and my based on my crappy cartoon drawing that I <laughs> expressed some general concepts of what I wanted in a cover, I showed him and we talked about it. He had some ideas. We went back and forth, and he came up with this very very striking cover that has the two main characters who who are discussing very important ideas throughout the story but it's actually the story itself is a science fiction novel and it really brings together um in the context of this story the science fiction thriller brings together some very far-reaching ideas ancient beliefs and scientific knowledge bringing together, brought together into the same idea that the, the main characters discuss and run into a lot of resistance and social, social tension because they're talking about these ideas. One so of it's the, sounds like a sort of vehicle to express, which science fiction often is, the vehicle to express ideas that you can't, that you, you wouldn't want to just talk about in a straight philosophical treatise um, that You've kind heard, of gives you a, a platform. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And so it's a little bit more agreeable context to talk, to talk to people or to express some ideas, as you correctly point out, that say, uh, well, I could do a self-help book and I'm not qualified to do that per se, but I am still considering that could be something I delve into later. But, in the context of a, a fictitious story 
the, that is engaging, hopefully, that the readers, the readers are brought in, if they care about the, the characters, there's a bad guy who creates a lot of the tension. And the two main characters, one is a familiar biblical character, and people will recognize a lot of the scenes in which he is depicted. And then there, the contemporary character happening today is a science teacher. He has these very specific ideas. So think of our scientific knowledge we have today, especially about things like life and the components of life, without getting into too, a whole lot of technical detail. DNA, RNA, proteins that are expressed as in the code of life, literally. DNA expresses exact proteins that we are all made of. And imagine having that knowledge and being alive 2,000 years ago and trying to explain that to people. Not only won't they understand, there aren't words for it. So try to explain what DNA is to somebody 2,000 years ago. That creates a lot of frustration for the main character and a lot of tension. And science fiction really... Uh, uh, an original technology that I described, I invented. It's a familiar concept in science fiction, brings these two characters together and, and it turns out, well, I don't want to give too much away, but it's really one story. It's called Convergent because it starts off as separate stories and they all come together at the end and you realize it's all been one story all along. So the, the ideas expressed throughout the story is really why I wrote it and I hope hope that people who read it will take a, come away with some of the things that are really important in that. I could talk about some of those ideas uh, if we have a Absolutely, few. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, no, I, I was about to ask you to to talk about some of those ideas. I'll start off with a, a real simple thing, and the, the math the uh, the science teacher talks about this in one of the first scenes. He it, it's. Um, a mathematical problem if you want to think about it, but think about this whole, the whole infinity of the universe. The universe express, extends to infinity in space and time. And here we are in our little 80 year window on one planet and one lifetime and how lucky we are to be alive. And he, he brings that home by actually calculating mathematically what the chances are for each of us to be alive. He takes the number of sperm that your father would create throughout his life, the number of eggs that your mother created, the chance that one sperm and one egg get together to mate you is one and one quadrillion. That's 15 zeros. And if you want a, a pragmatic expression of how unlikely that is, that is hundreds of millions of times less likely than winning Powerball. That's how lucky we all are that we were conceived in the first place. So that's the first, you start with that frame of reference that we are so lucky to be alive. Any other combination wouldn't be you. It would be your brother and sister or you wouldn't exist at all. So you start with that. That's actually kind of uh, kind of staggering. <laughs> Keep, keeps things in perspective. But the main thing that he is, he is trying to discuss, and he talks to his class a little bit about it, and 
little bit about it in social settings, which is what causes him trouble. And he comes under attack by um, an angry guy who creates a lot of the tension and drama in the story and brings everything together. But what he's, what he's trying to say is spirituality, in fact, God and science have to be compatible. We live in this one world in the middle of this infinite universe. If it, they're all real things, they have to be compatible. No, no belief required and no belief involved. Knowledge is scientific information. It's discerned by rational experimentation, by observation. It can be reproducible. And regardless of when we live or where we live or what our area of discipline and knowledge is the same, we use the word belief when we're talking about things that we're, we don't know about, like ghosts or aliens or even Santa. So saying, why, why do we put God in the same category that we do aliens and Santa Claus by saying belief? Well, the fact of the matter is that conception, when we, we come together, that's undeniably factual, right? One, our genes come together to form this, this individual who is us, and then our cells divide with trillions of copies of the same information. That's who we are. And that, that's kind of undeniable. So the only unknown factor is, is that completely self-contained? Does it all do it on its own? Or is there some being or force that has input to drive it or influence it? Well, the facts are, unless someone else can give me new facts, are that it's self-contained. Sure, the, the DNA, our, the life form, the life that we are uses resources like sunlight and water and other molecules to, to build us and maintain us. The fact is, we're, that is all a self-contained process and we are created at the moment of conception in that one and one quadrillion chance. So it's when you stop and think about it that way, it's kind of breathtaking and so elegant and so complicated, but so, it's so beautiful. <laughs> And so mm -hmm. life is so precious in the middle of the universe. Here we are for our 80 year window. So that's, that's actually a, a main premise that we're made in the image of our genes. And I use that term, term very specifically. We're expressed in our genes. So that's actually the source of what we are. And I could even go so far as to say, God, the father is DNA. We're made in the image of that, and all life is. They're, they're made in the image of the genes inside them. Now, there's no belief required for that. That's a fact. So, and the, the character, the character is both, both the biblical figure. I'll just say it's Jesus. And so <laughs> that's not, you know. The, the cover kind of gives it away. Yeah, kind of gives it away. <laughs> that's a, a familiar icon. And the science, the science professor there is depicted, and, and intentionally they they have the same face just with different clothes and different facial hair and things like that. But and the DNA strand is an important part of that, the figure on the cover. But a, a couple things that are really important. So all life is made in the image of our genes, and all life forms except for people rely on instinct to get their needs 
to live their lives. Animals and plants, all that, all that's ingrained and passed on generation to generation, whether it's a plant or a predator looking for prey, whatever, whatever animal life forms do, most of what they do is by instinct. Now we have plenty of instincts as people, but we choose how we behave. We actually do have free will, even though we don't exercise it a lot. We have this creativity of thought, this flexibility, and it's given rise to just incredible things that most people, well, no other life forms really can do. Things like, think about mathematics, the structure of mathematics, and that's led to engineering, all the things, the systems that we built, the buildings and so forth, and medicine, especially in the last 100 years, whether it's... um, devices or antibiotics, just breathtaking things. Language, uh, you know, other animals have language, but not like ours, where it's just this complex system. This is all through our creativity, our flexibility of thought that is not part of our instinct. And, and art and music. Art and music is ama- an amazing thing in its own right, because I could define it as something of great beauty and value that's created out of otherwise worthless materials or or very inexpensive materials. Take, you know, a painting that is just absolutely a beautiful work of art. You buy paint for a few dollars and create that through the artist's creativity, through his vision. And music, any, any symphony or any song, there was nothing there before. Somebody wrote that piece of music and created something out of nothing. It's really quite a quite a striking thing. People, so people can do that. Other life forms cannot. What that allows is this amazing flexibility and create creativity. But unfortunately, it also allows us to commit some of the worst atrocities that have, that have ever occurred in nature. Plants and animals only secure food or, or try and find mates or protect their territory. They don't kill and abuse for entertainment or sport or because of prejudice. Only people do that. So it's a big trade-off. So the whole key of that is we have to have love as our, undergra- our underlying foundation for how we behave. And the key part, I can define love in a very simple way. It's not very romantic. It's almost a scientific definition. You can think about love as any act that improves the net overall quality of life for anyone involved. Something that each of us can do, maybe costs us a little bit of time or resource, but it can help other people tremendously. If that definition, that is a foundation for everything we do, then this freedom of thought, this creativity can be used for breathtaking and monumental achievements. Unfortunately, that's not happening too frequently on a large scale. Sure, you know, you and I and anybody will do it to our families and to our friends, and we all know how to do it. But this has to be a foundation for economics, for law, for science, for education. And that becomes a very far-reaching and complicated thing. 
as we are, we're the most fit organism. The contest is kind of over. We're, we're survival of the fittest. We're, it's us. And it's only because we have this ability of free thinking and therefore the ability to love as a foundation for everything we do that we can really make the earth almost a paradise if we wanted to, if we all work together on it. That's the heaven and hell. If we do that, earth is a paradise, can be a paradise. And if it doesn't, it will resolve in a scorched, a scorched, very real earth, that will be hell. So all that, all those ideas are kind of expressed within the context of the story. And, but then there, there's a story itself that kind of carries it all as Jesus and Chris is, is the science teacher as they talk about these things and express throughout the, uh, throughout the story. Well, that was a very interesting book. I, I look forward to reading it. Um, and as you were saying, that, I was thinking about the, I, I just uh, uh, recorded my commentary in episode 30 where I interviewed uh, Representative uh, Christine Conley. And one thing I mentioned was that one thing I found with a lot of the local uh, representatives, I've, I've spoken to two state reps, one, one first selectman yeah. um, and, and others as well, is that w when people choose that, that kind of public service, um, in some cases, you know, like in Groton, the town council is all volunteers. Um, and even if I think the, the state reps, they get paid like $28,000 a year to work about 35 hours a week. Um, so, you know, they could make more money doing something else. And and then when people opt to that kind of service, and, and whether it's, you know, public service like that or volunteering with Rotary or uh, even stepping up to be an officer in something like Toastmasters, there's they're obviously getting something out of it beyond just a financial reward or uh, fame and glory or personal benefit. There There is some sense of, of uh, as you would define love, um, that, that they they want to put in something to the universe and in which society at large gets more out than they're putting in, even if they don't personally benefit from it. And I, I think there's a lot more of that love out there than people realize that people, cause you know, you, you hear about the, the hate and the scorched earth. Um, but the love tends to be, I think more subtle and behind the scenes, but the result is that we have, uh, you know, a, a decent, I mean, certainly problematic, but fairly decent society of, uh, of relative uh, opulence. That, that's those are great examples, Michael. That the public service like that is exactly what that concept is, and and there's very much of it going on. Um, it needs to go on at all levels, or people who don't do that cannot be tolerated. Mm -hmm. It can't be supported. But we, it really is a matter of giving giving something that helps a lot of people, and whether it's a local representative or a charitable organization. Or a teacher, somebody who who does something that improves the quality of life for for a lot of different people. If that's if that's a, the foundation and really the basis for everything that people work on, for policies that are done, for laws that are created, that is very much very much a part of. We all need to be on the same page for that, and. That's a great example or examples that you brought up. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so we're coming towards the end of our time. Is there any anything else you want to share? Any other uh, books or projects you have not mentioned yet that you want to get in before we finish? There is actually. I, again, with, with a little bit of spare time at home, 
I have just completed another novel. It is, I've got, I'd say, probably a good third draft finished. Maybe it needs a little bit of polish. And this, this is much lighter. It's not far-reaching ideas. It's a, it's a comedy, sort of a, a comedy for mature or adult audiences. So think of the movie 40-Year-Old Virgin. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of the same, same level of humor and lightness of that. You know, maybe it could be a distasteful subject, but I, I, it is done. I've already, copyright has already been filed. There's already, space has started on Amazon. So that should be available by, by the end of summer, maybe within a few weeks or a couple months. And it and is called, what's, what's that one called? It's called Chandler's List. Okay. And you, that title will probably stick with people. <laughs> so <laughs> you, I'll, uh, I'll update you on that later, but uh, that will be available, I think, most likely in August. Oh, so. very good. I see your clever trick to try to get back on the show later. Uh, how clever of me. That might just work. So, <laughs> all right. Well, all it's been, right. been great having you on the show and good to have a chance to, because uh, I know you have some, some very, very positive uh, philosophies in the world and, and things that I think people would benefit from gaining. I'm going to put uh, in the show notes, um, there will be links to, uh, to both Convergent and Amy and the Orca. Uh, and uh, wordplay as well, if, if there's a place people can get I'll, that online. I'll send that to you later. Okay, I'll put that in the, the show notes there. And um, But yeah, otherwise, thank you very much for being on the show. And, and of course, um, Toastmasters, that people can, can find Mystic uh, by Mystic Aquarium Toastmasters by looking for uh, Mystic Toastmasters on Facebook. Yep, that's a great place there. for people that make their first contact and certainly mm -hmm. reach out to you or to me or any of our members, and we'll, we'll get you going as a guest and go from there. Yep, and it's great right now because you can do it from the, the comfort of your own home. Um, you don't even have to go out to do anything because we're still meeting remotely, but you're still it, – it, it's, it's not quite the same as speaking in front of a group, but it's I think, I think we capture the feeling pretty well. I think we do. Those meetings yeah. have been going pretty well. Yep. Yeah, in fact, I think we just had uh, two new members join, including one who was a recent guest of the podcast. That's right. So, there we are. All right. Well, it's been great having you on the show, and I thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. We'll catch up with you soon. Larry was actually one of the first people I connected with when I came to Southeast Connecticut. I briefly ran the Monte Cristo Bookshop in New London, and he met my wife when he came into the store to wholesale us some copies of his game to carry in the store. I later met him for the first time myself during a holiday stroll in Stonington. Uh, when I joined Toastmasters two years ago was when I really got to know Larry and discovered that in addition to being a game designer, which makes anyone interesting in my book, he is fascinating in many different ways, which is why I was so excited to have him on the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, the format of this show will be changing soon as my focus in business is shifting, and I think you'll like the change. I'm shifting my business to do a lot more coaching of up-and-coming people in business. I help people find their talents, skills, and gifts, or as I call them, superpowers. With these, I guide them in developing a plan to not only launch a profitable business, but to really live their mission. The new format of the show will be in line with that role, helping people to live their mission. I will take your questions do recorded sessions in which I help people figure out their business challenges, and have guest hosts talking about the issues of the day that are relevant to the topic. 
I have a few interviews already recorded for the current season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, and I'll be releasing them first, but probably around September or October, look for the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast season two in the new format. If you're an entrepreneur with something inspiring to share, or if you coach people and help them to live their best lives, you might make a good guest host. Please reach out to me. If you are facing challenges in your business or life and want to get some free coaching on the air, I'd also love to hear from you. Email me at michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. To learn more about my coaching work, visit www.guywhoknowsaguy.com slash coaching. The Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast is produced and hosted by Michael Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of 4 Unicorns Design. Other music and sound effects are from Benjamin Harvey Design by way of freesound.org and filmmusic.io. Special thanks to Pat Helmers of Habanero Media for all the great advice he gave me on relaunching the show. Find me on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash theguywhoknowsaguy. And now TikTok at theguywhoknowsaguy. Please share links to the show with friends you think would enjoy. This is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy, reminding you that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and how much you're willing to help them. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect jv-connect.com. That's jv-connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.